Sometimes life can feel like a pressure cooker. From our work life to our personal lives and relationships, there's so much to balance. It's easy to feel weighed down when you're experiencing anxiety, stress, or sadness. Guess what? You are not alone. Support is all around you. No matter where you are, all you need to do is ask. Let us help you find a community at churchescare.com. Churches are communities of care. Go to churchescare.com to explore the possibilities. Churchescare.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome everyone to Too Good To Be True, and thank you to all the listeners. Are you ready for a thought-provoking show discussing Notre Dame and other prophets? Before we start getting into details, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it. We choose a subject, then research it. Based on that research, we determine what we, we think needs to be explained by creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. At that point, it is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers. Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any of the subjects that we discuss. We relate information we find through research and the psychic insight. We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. The show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means that there will be information that we do miss. We want to provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We're only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time in history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter in shows will have already been covered again and again in other shows. We want to look into the subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. We are not so good with pronouncing names, and we apologize. Thank you, Justina. You let me choose the subject of Nostradamus and other prophets. Yes, the choice seemed to come out of nowhere. We had been talking about other subjects. Yeah, prophets came up indirectly in other shows with famous authors such as H.G. Wells or Sir Arthur Conan Doyle having been mentioned as prophets. We couldn't leave out Nostradamus as he is probably the most famous of all. There may be a common theme in prophecies that we wouldn't see if we just discussed one prophet alone. So I have to ask, what is a prophet? Is there a clear definition? The simplest definition I could find is that a prophet is a spiritual advisor serving humanity. I think though we might be talking about seers. A seer is able, through supernatural insight, to see what the future holds. But that definition of a prophet seems to fit Notre Dame, so let's go with that definition of spiritual advisor. Why don't you start with well-known authors that made prophecies? Let's begin with H.G. Wells. He predicted that if humanity does not change its ways, it would destroy itself. Wells saw superhighways, overcrowded cities, military use of aircraft, and the bombing of cities. In 1911, he forecast the atomic bomb. I guess that H.G. Wells fits into the description of a spiritual advisor serving humanity. I wonder if he was being spiritually guided when writing his novels many of which became movies, including The Time Machine, The Island of Dr. Moreau, The Invisible Man, and your favorite, The History of Mr. Polly from 1949, which I've never heard of. It was a comedy with social comment. H.G. Wells also wrote the 1936 movie Things to Come, which included a a future global war starting in 1940. Let's now talk about Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who created the famous character Sherlock Holmes. Conan Doyle was an author and physician, as well as a spiritualist, who traveled the world promoting his beliefs. 
You told me that the television doctor, Gregory House, was based on the doctor that was an inspiration for the character Sherlock Holmes. But what were some of Conan Doyle's prophecies? He predicted that most of the human race would be wiped out by natural disasters, including earthquakes and tidal waves. Civilized life will disappear before years of reconstruction. As we had mentioned on another show, Conan Doyle predicted that mankind could only be saved by returning to spiritual values. In a way, the prophecies are a warning of what might happen if mankind doesn't take the right path rather than what is going to happen. This has been said to be the way to interpret Notre Dame's prophecies, whether the famous authors are claimed to be prophets. We have to talk a little about French author Jules Verne. He had the famous quote, anything one man can imagine, another, other men can make real. That was really saying that he used his imagination rather than spiritual ability. He wasn't like the other two authors we have discussed. His predictions for future technologies were only in the fiction he wrote. So what did Jules Verne have in his novels, which was so futuristic? Good question, especially I think that Jules Verne seemed to have been rather forgotten about since they stopped making movies about his stories. From the National Geographic website, there's a list of eight inventions that were pure fiction when he wrote his books in the 1800s. Electric submarines, television newscasts, solar cells, which some satellites use for propulsion, by using the sun's rays, lunar modules per the NASA space program of the 1960s and the early 1970s, spaceships that splashed down from the same era, skywriting, video conferencing, tasers. That's the list. There are other authors such as George Orwell in the novel 1984 or Aldous Huxley in the novel Brave New World that gave frightening scenarios for the future with themes of, pop of the population being manipulated and controlled. I'm not sure if the novels are pure fiction or prophecies, but they seem to be careful if you don't stand up for your rights. Well, to continue with other famous prophets after this short break. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were talking about a few prophets and how they actually put their work into futuristic means. So the last one we were talking about was Jules Verne. But I don't think we can ignore Edgar Casey or Nostradamus for much longer. Both made some very disturbing prophecies. Possibly many listeners know about Edgar Casey, but for those that do not, it would be useful to provide some background. Yes, I'll quote from Wikipedia. Edgar Casey, March the 18th, 1877 to January the 3rd, 1945,
was an American Christian mystic who answered questions on subjects as varied as healing, reincarnation, wars, Atlantis, and future events, all while in a trance. A biographer gave him the nickname The Sleeping Prophet. A non-profit organization, the Association for Research and Enlightenment, was found to facilitate the study of Casey's work. A hospital and a university were also established. Casey became a celebrity, celebrity towards the end of his life, and he believed the publicity given to his prophecies overshadowed the more noted parts of his work, such as psychic medical diagnosis and recommendations and spiritual development. Some consider him the true founder and the principal source of the most characteristic beliefs of the New Age movement. Edgar Casey made many predictions within his readings. He was very prolific. He went into a trance almost every day, several times a day, for over 40 years. From the website neardeath.com, among Casey's predictions that have been claimed to have became real are the following. The U.S. stock market crash of 1929. The rise and fall of Adolf Hitler. The beginning of World War II. America's entry into World War II in 1941. The end of World War II in 1945. America will maintain the balance of power in the world. The Essene community and the Dead Sea Scrolls. The discovery of land from Atlantis off the U.S. coast. The collapse of communism in the Soviet Union. The shift of the Earth's poles all around the millennium. Psychic phenomenon will be scientifically provable before 1989. Note that I only listed a sample of events from the entire list. We talked a little about the, uh, the discovery of Atlantis in a different show. Psychic Insight confirmed that the remnants of Atlantis have been found near the Bimini Islands in the Bahamas, which are only about 50 miles from Miami. The prediction of the Essene community and the Dead Sea Scrolls seems very interesting. During the 1930s and early 40s, Casey correctly described the Essene community and its specific location many years before the Dead Sea Scrolls were first discovered in 1947. The Dead Sea Scrolls are a collection of some 981 different manuscripts discovered in 12 caves in the eastern Judean desert. The Dead Sea Scrolls are said to be the earliest existing copies of books from the Hebrew Bible. The prediction psychic phenomena will be scientifically provable before 1989, even though claimed to be true, seems a little optimistic more than a quarter of a, quarter of a century later. The subject of psychic phenomenon seems to have gained more acceptance in recent years, but scientifically provable, that's got to be hard to argue. There's an entire Reddit posting on the subject that maybe you can quote from as you read subject matter like that, and I don't. Yeah, the posting is entitled, Quantum Physics Offers Scientific Explanations for the Paranormal. Here are two quotes. Quantum mechanics does not rule out the possibility of an afterlife, multiverse, or the survival of, of brain function after death, quantum immortality. Through quantum decoherence and quantum superposition, the idea of parallel universes offers the possibility for the existence of a parallel universe acting as a person's afterlife universe when death occurs. Second quote is, more support for the possibility of survival after death comes from the holographic principle of quantum physics. This principle defines our universe as existing as a hologram where all the quantum information we perceive in three dimensions is stored, unquote. The posting mentions the theoretical th physicist David Bohm, who died in 1992. The theory suggests that the entire universe can be seen as a two-dimensional projection. Let's just assume that the physics and what is thought to be the paranormal are converging, making the paranormal, in theory, normal. Now, let's look at some of the predictions of Casey that haven't came true. The website, Edgar Casey, A-R-E, Association for Research and Enlightenment mentions the Halal Alal readings that may not be accurate because they are given during the Great Depression when his state of mind was not the best. So, for some failed production, predictions, there may be an explanation. There's quite a few websites that like to criticize Casey's prophecies. Here are some examples of claimed failed prophecies. 1933 will be a good year, even though the Great Depression was biting hard and Hitler rose to power. The Atlantean death ray will be discovered by the U.S. in 1958. 
Atlantis to rise again in 1968 or 1969. California will disappear into the Pacific sometime in the 1960s. Armageddon will occur, would occur in 1999. China would be completely converted to Christianity by 1968. Obviously, California hasn't disappeared. Atlantis hasn't risen again. But are these predictions of what might happen on a given timeline rather than what will happen? I will look at future predictions. Here are some from a list from neardeath.com website. War will occur in the Persian Gulf and other straits. Major discoveries on human origins will be found. China will become the cradle of Christianity. Volcanic activity will precede earthquakes and tsunamis. Ocean levels will rise and devastate coastlines. Earth changes will destroy nations around the world. A thousand-year golden age will follow earth changes. The battle at Arumgeddon will have a spiritual battle. Human lifespan will be extended. A new human root race will evolve. A city of gold will be discovered in the Gobi Desert. A self-fueling perpetual motion machine will be discovered. There appears to be confusion regarding the possible timing of when China will become Christian and Armageddon and when Armageddon might occur, as both of these are listed on different websites, either as failed prophecies or as future prophecies. Perhaps looking at the original readings would be helpful. I looked at readings 2834-3 and 3976-29 regarding China and Christianity and could not find a specific date. For Armageddon, in reading 3976-15, Casey talks about earth changes occurring beginning in 58 to 98, which presumably means 1958 to 1998. So it looks like predictions and readings are open to interpretation. Why don't we pick a Casey reading and look it up? Up to now, we have only looked at headlines for his predictions. Let's look at reading on ocean levels rising, especially as this is widely feared. Yes, this is reading 1152-11. I will quote the reading. What is the coastline now and of many a land will be the bed of the ocean. Even many of the battlefields of the present will be ocean, will be seas, the bays, the lands over which the new world order, world order will carry on their trade as one with another. Portions of the now east coast of New York or New York City itself will in the main disappear. This will be another generation though here, while the southern portions of Carolina, Georgia, these will disappear. This will be much sooner. The waters of the Great Lakes will empty into the Gulf of Mexico rather than the waterway over which such discussions have been recently made. It would be well if the waterway were prepared, but not for that purpose for which it, for which it is at present being considered. I have seen maps on the Internet based on that prediction. If this prediction comes to pass, I wonder how gradual the changes will occur. If this is well into the distant future, possibly people won't be too worried. But the major question is what would cause such a large change in sea levels, possibly larger than predictions from scientific sources. A reference to a new world order is mentioned. I have heard that term before, meaning global government. This is all rather scary, as is the following reading on earth changes that will destroy nations around the world due to pole shifts and volcanic disasters. Reading 3976-15 states the following. The greater portion of Japan must go into the sea. The upper portion of Europe will be changed as in the twinkling of an eye. Land will appear off the east coast of America. There will be upheavals in the Arctic and in the Antarctic that will make for eruption of volcanoes in the torrid areas. And there will be shifting then of the poles so that where there has been those of a frigid or the semi-tropical will become the more tropical and moss and fern will grow. On a positive note, Casey refers to the 1,000-year golden age that will follow, a golden age with a world government and the planet's maps looking very different from now. I would guess that not everyone living at the time will survive, though, to the golden age, since it's unknown when the golden age would even occur. Let's now turn to Nostradamus. Uh, I remember years ago I bought a book on the prophecies of Nostradamus. It had what, what were called quatrains, groups in centuries. Quatrains, quatrains are four lines of text that typically sound poetic, which apparently include predictions for the future. The book included interpretation of the quatrains in terms of predictions. 
My problem was that I couldn't follow how the content of any COD train led to any firm prediction. I thought anyone could predict anything they liked because the COD trains didn't make any sense. After that, I gave up on the subject until a few years ago when Nostradamus shows seemed to be on cable channels all of the time. Nostradamus was born Michel de Nostradamus in Saint-Rémy-de-Provence, France in 1503. Thank you for dealing with the French words. You studied French in school and I didn't. He changed his name to Nostradamus because and became a physician and treated plague victims throughout France and Italy. Apparently, at the time, he was very successful in curing people and became quite famous. He began to make predictions of the future, which he published in the book, The Prophecies. It was at a time when the Catholic Church considered someone a heretic. It meant a death sentence and not a merciful one. A heretic is defined as someone judged to have different views than those of the church. That's an explanation of why the quatrains are so so hard to follow. They were meant to be in the form of code to avoid persecution of the author. The late Dolores Cannon was a post-life regressionist and hypnotherapist. She published the books entitled Conversations with Nostradamus, His Prophecies Explained, Volumes 1 to 3. The first volume was published in 1989. Some promotional materials is as follows, and I quote, The most accurate interpretation Nostradamus ever printed is contained in these three volumes. The second book in this series contains 143 additional quatrains written and deciphered by Nostradamus himself. That sounds impossible. How could Nostradamus help write books in the 20th century? The promotional material suggests that Dolores Cannon and Nostradamus must have been in contact. It seems unbelievable, but by working with several different subjects through deep hypnosis, Dolores was able to establish communication with Nostradamus. A direct link with the 1500s to probably the most famous prophet of all time. That does seem very hard to believe. Dolores Cannon has videos on YouTube. She talks about communicating with Nostradamus via hypnotized subjects as if it were an everyday occurrence, which it apparently was. In a way, it sounds like time travel by going back in time. What did she have to say about Notre Dame's personality? How would anyone un- understand medieval French? I think we have to talk more about that after the break. Uh, do you want to take us into the break, Justina? Yep. After the break here, we'll talk more about that and actually talk about some other possible prophets. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were talking about Dolores Cannon and her channeling. And I was asking you, Dad, how would anyone understand medieval French? I'm not sure, um, but uh, there was a question about um, Nostradamus's personality, and apparently he was a male chauvinist, uh, which might be expected as women received no uh, education in the 1500s. The subjects didn't speak any type of French, they just relayed the conversation. Nostradamus, through the subjects, wanted a link with the future because some of, his pro- some of his prophecies were about to become true, with many, in his, with many having been wrongly interpreted. He wanted the contrast read back to him in French because he had issues with the modern translations, but he didn't speak modern French. How did they conduct the sessions with the subjects in terms of picking the quatrains? 
Apparently, Dolores would read quatrains, not understanding the content, and then check them off. Then the subject would relay Nostradamus while he provided interpretations. They did sessions for hundreds of quatrains. In preparing for the show, you mentioned something very interesting about how the present becomes the future. Can you talk more about that? Yes, apparently Nostradamus explained that there were, uh, there were nexus points in time, like nodes. A nexus point is an event or personality that must happen. From the nexus point, time branches out with many probabilities and possibilities. So the future is not predetermined except for the nexus points that have to be created. The future can always be changed. This does sound like our show on time travel. We discuss that some events will occur while others may or may not. Events that Nostradamus saw in in his visions may or may not occur because other events could occur to change the future. He was only seeing one version of a possible future during... Sometimes life can feel like a pressure cooker. From our work life to our personal lives and relationships, there's so much to balance. It's easy to feel weighed down when you're experiencing anxiety, stress, or sadness. Guess what? You are not alone. Support is all around you. No matter where you are, all you need to do is ask. Let us help you find a community at churchescare.com. Churches are communities of care. Go to c-h-u-r-c-h-e-s-care.com to explore the possibilities churchescare.com a vision you also mentioned after in one of the videos that Dolores Cannon said that at the time in the late 1980s Notre Dame claimed that the next 20 years were important because many of his prophecies were for that time frame apparently we're living in changing times but how would we know that it actually was Notre Dame communicating from the 1500s Could have been some kind of entity causing trouble. I should mention that Dolores Cannon has stated that she tested the relayed information at Nostradamus's suggestion to make sure it was Nostradamus speaking from the 1500s. Apparently, Nostradamus would stare into a mirror, go into a trance, and then automatically write the prophecies. Determining the actual timing of events in his visions was also a challenge as he had only to go by the positions of the constellations in the night sky. Some of the prophecies are frightening and disturbing. Why aren't people who believe in Notre Dame's prophecies panicking? Maybe they believe that the future is out of our hands, so why worry? That's the key point. Apparently, Nostradamus wanted us to give us, to give us the worst-case scenarios. Nostradamus, through hypnotized subjects, said he, he has no worries about us surviving the good times. He wants us to survive the worst of times. However, the following events as prophesied by Nostradamus are believed by many to have come true. These are the death of Henry II of France, the Great Fire of London, the French Revolution, Napoleon, Louis Pasteur, Charles de Gaulle, the atomic bomb, the assassinations of John and Robert Kennedy, the death of Princess Diana. Before we on, go on to the next prophet, I think we should mention that besides Stoller's canon, there are other authors that have spent years publishing interpretations of Notre Dame's quatrains, including John Hogue, who is well known for his work. We don't think we have anything useful to add on the subjects of the interpretation of the individual quatrains. With Dolores Cannon apparently have communicated with Notre Dame during his lifetime, that work has already been done. You mentioned that uh, you would like to discuss a prophet in the realm of science fiction, especially for situations when artificial intelligence takes over from human decision making. This is a hot topic today, in particular for self-driving cars. Maybe your car has to decide to hit a brick wall rather than putting a pedestrian in danger. Who is to be saved from the injury, the driver or the pedestrian? Should artificial intelligence make life or death decisions? That discussion made me think of Arthur C. Clarke and the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey. I think we need a spoiler alert. If you haven't seen the movie or haven't read the book and want to, maybe it's time to stop listening. Dad, you picked up on artificial intelligence and that movie immediately. Why was that? Yes, again, if you haven't seen the movie or read the book, please stop listening and watch the movie when you can. Arthur C. Clarke predicted the use of artificial intelligence and gave a scenario for the inherent risks associated with it. The computer HAL 9000 is the artificial intelligence that controls the systems on the Discovery 1 spacecraft. 
you are made to believe that a room-sized box of electronics has a personality, especially with Hal's soft, calm voice. Hal stands for heuristically programmed algorithmic computer, which in other words means artificial intelligence. Before we get creeped out by Hal, can you talk a little about Arthur C. Clarke? Yes, he was a lifelong science fiction writer. According to Wikipedia, Arthur C. Clarke is known as the prophet of the space age. He was known as a futurist, which means a person who predicts the future based on the science and trends. But was he more than that? Was he helped through spiritual means? I have to admit, when I saw the movie, uh, it was 1969, and it was when it was first released. Uh, At the time, the year 2001 seemed a long time away. Also at the time, the original Star Trek Trek series had us totally gripped on the future, and uh, there was the space program with the upcoming moon landing. In fact, they used the the music from the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey for the television broadcasts on the uh, moon landings. The timing of the release of the movie seemed perfect, but 2001 for the fictional events is obviously too soon. On the other hand, Star Trek was partly based on the input of a psychic and was set in the 23rd century. Phyllis Phyllis Schlemmer was a psychic, and for that television series, she provided glimpses of the future. In many ways, it was an optimistic future, with Phyllis Schlemmer being the seer. What about the characters in Star Trek? Did they relate to artificial intelligence in any way? In Star Trek, the character Mr. Spock was possibly a representation of artificial intelligence. As a Vulcan, although part human, much was made of his entirely logical decision-making with no human emotion involved. As a counter in the character Captain Kirk, they made a big deal of humans having the ability to overcome superior intelligences. Kirk had authority over Spock, But the main characters in 2001 A Space Odyssey, Frank and Dave, only thought they had authority over Hal. According to Wikipedia, Hal was capable of speech, speech recognition, facial recognition, natural language processing, lip reading, art appreciation, interpreting emotional behavior, automated reasoning and playing chess. Artificial intelligence is said to be able to take over human decision making and possibly put human lives at risk. This has been the fear surrounding artificial intelligence. I am going to quote from Wikipedia regarding Hal's actions in the movie. In the film, astronauts David Bowman and Frank Poole consider disconnecting Hal's cognitive circuits when he appears to be mistaken in reporting the presence of a fault in the spacecraft's communications antenna. They attempt to conceal what they are saying, but are unaware that Hal can read their lips. Faced with the prospect of disconnection, Hall decides to kill the astronauts in order to protect and contain its programmed directives and to conceal its malfunction from Earth. Hall uses one of the Discovery's EVA pods to kill Poole while he's repairing the ship. When Bowman uses another pod to attempt to rescue Poole, Hall locks him out of the ship, then disconnects the life support system of the other hibernating crew members. To continue the story, Bowman does survive. In simple terms, Hal committed multiple murders, but what motivated Hal to do that? The explanation is within the same Wikipedia article. The novel referred to in the article is the same, uh, is a novel with the same name that was written at the same time as the movie. I'll quote. The novel explains that Hal is unable to resolve a conflict between his general mission to relay information accurately an order specific to the mission, requiring that he withhold from Bowman and Paul the true purpose of the mission. With the crew dead, Hal reasons he would not need to lie to them. Being serious, although it doesn't sound that way, who wants a conflicted artificial intelligence driving your car? The point is that we could not have been given a more vivid example of artificial intelligence at a time when computers were in their infancy. Also, we are given a scenario that perfectly illustrates the dangers that can come with artificial intelligence. It was better to kill the astronauts than lie to them, because Hall decided that that was the course of action that made the most sense to him. There was no human consciousness to direct the mind of Hall to do the right thing. I think it's time for the psychic insight, and you are not allowed to ask for an explanation for the ending of the movie. There are spoilers, but that would be an ultimate spoiler. 
I don't think that Spirit would want to ruin the movie for everyone. Here is the first question, and let's start with H.G. Wells. Is Wells' prediction that if humanity does not change its ways, it would destroy itself true? Yes. Is Sir Arthur Conan Doyle correct in his, correct in his prediction that mankind can only be saved from death and destruction by returning to spiritual values? There is obviously more to it than that. But yes, people raising their consciousness and returning to higher frequencies will be what, we wouldn't use the word save, but makes humanity a better place. So when you say spiritually, we just want to be clear that spiritually can mean many different things from even people doing yoga and exercise to obviously joining different groups of people who are spiritually doing spiritual activities together. So we want to make it clear that people can do their part in many different ways by even saying a prayer over their food before they eat to going outside and enjoying nature. So again, we want to make it clear that spirituality covers many different topics and different things people can do. Why are there two famous English authors, Wells and Conan Doyle, living at the same time providing prophecies for the future? Because it was the right time for those to come out into the public eye. Where did the prophecies made by Wells and Conan Doyle come from? So basically, it was a combination of their spirit guides and also confirmation from source that the information could be told to them in different ways. So they did not just get a piece of paper with everything on it, but it was fed to them in their own individual ways. What was the purpose of Wells and Conan Doyle's prophecies? To start the movement of change where there were warnings about the direction and that humanity, you could say the negativity is going more negative. Was Jules Verne a prophet or someone with amazing imagination? So it was a combination of both. So some of it was prophecies and some was combining imagination. Where did Jules Verne's Amazing at the Time science fiction come from? So, a lot of it was actually shown to him, especially through dreams and daydreaming. And also he, you could say, he had a higher level consciousness where he could think outside of the boundaries. I think we're going into another break, Justina. Can you uh, get us up to the break? Yes, after the break, we'll continue with the psychic insight about the different prophets and then a little bit of a discussion after. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. 
Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we started on the psychic insight and the questions, and we were just discussing Jules Verne. So, Dad, can you please continue with the questions? Yes. Was there some higher purpose in Jules Verne's fictional stories? Yes. There were underlining meanings. Are the works of George Orwell or Aldous Huxley just works of fiction, or did they come from visions from the future? A combination of both. What was the purpose behind Edgar Cayce's lifetime of readings, with some including prophecies of major earth changes? The main reason, obviously, was to help people. The second reason was to get information out there and to start the train of belief. So everyone knows how famous he is and how many people know his name. So there had to be a public figure that you could say would basically stand out of the crowd to start the different messages and show that spirituality is something positive. Are the Dead Sea Scrolls an early copy of the Hebrew Bible? They contain more information than that. What is a pole shift? Are you talking about the pole shifts that have happened in the past or are currently happening? The pole shifts that are currently happening. So, a lot of the pole shifts in the past were during you could say chaotic events. So when a pole shift occurs and starts shifting, it is usually when there is a lot of chaos in the world and a lot of, you could say, very negative events and different things going on. So in the past, there have been different pole shifts that have occurred during huge events, obviously such as huge wars or different changes in humanity. But the current pole is basically based off, obviously, the Earth. And the Earth has a lot of control over the magnetic fields. So the shifting can be thought of shifting of energy that needs to occur because of all of the negative energy that is present. Was there a time when Edgar Cayce's readings were not accurate due to his state of mind? Yes. Is the universe holographic that can be seen as a two-dimensional projection? Basically, he meant that it's kind of like create your own reality, where people can choose different paths, go down different paths, kind of like a two-dimensional video game. Why did some of Edgar Cayce's predictions not come to pass? Is it because the future is not written in stone? There are a few reasons. So, of course, free will is involved where paths are shifting, so the paths do change. And of course, as we talked about before, every decision basically has an ending, but there are multiple endings that are already written. So, when he made his predictions, he went with the most plausible possible ending, but it does not always come true. Also, at the end, his mental state of mind and the things that had happened to him were not very positive. And this put up blocks and made some of his information false. Will China become the cradle of Christianity? No. Is Armageddon going to be a spiritual battle between good and evil? It depends on what you mean by good and bad and depends on people's choices. So if people start making more positive choices now, then it might not need to get into this full out battle. Will Edgar Cayce's predictions of rising sea levels and flooded coastlines happen? Yes, there will be changes in sea levels, which are already being monitored, obviously, and the continents will shift and drift just like they have in the past. Will these changes be gradual or sudden? They will be gradual with all different natural disasters. Right now, Florida, New Orleans, Texas, all these different places, even California, are actually getting closer to the ocean, and there's even disappearances of different islands and different volcanic activity. And even the seismic wave activity is all different right now. So yes, these changes will be gradual, 
but there will be obviously differences noticed. Will there be a thousand year golden age following major earth changes? Again, it depends on what happens to the earth and basically how the earth reacts. So if everything goes well, then the earth will be happier, you can say in a way. Then there can be this so-called golden age. Did Dolores Cannon's subjects relay Nostradamus or a dishonest entity? Yes, they were real. Are there nexus points in the future when an event or personality that must happen? Yes. Do many probabilities and possibilities in time branch out from nexus points? Yes. Were the last 30 years a time when major changes occurred, or is that a time to come? It is longer than 30 years. So yes, the change began and is going to continue. Did Nostradamus, by his prophecies, wish to help mankind by describing different scenario events that could occur? Yes. What did Nostradamus want mankind to do to ensure a peaceful future without major wars or major earth changes? The first, always, is something that was a major message, was acceptance. So instead of separating different groups of people and this judgment of negative energy, it was more about acceptance an acceptance of not only people around oneself, but also within oneself. So these different wars and different negative events usually occur because there's a difference between different people. So a lot of it was about that. And it was also a warning about, look what could happen if people do not shape up and make more, you could say, more logical and ethical decisions. It's the best approach to be positive, to be spiritual, and look to the best things that could happen and try and manifest those? Yes. Was the plot of the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey to inform mankind that artificial intelligence was in our future? Yes, and also there was a message, obviously, about space travel and to be aware of some of the space travel since it is not always completely safe. Was part of the plot of the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey to warn mankind of the dangers of artificial intelligence? Yes. Was the year 2001, rather than further into the future, chosen because some of the inventions shown in the movie are now reality? So the year was chosen because of the switch of change. So 2001 was a big year for technology and changing over technology. So yes, it was chosen for an exact reason. Was the character Mr. Spock in Star Trek a representation of artificial intelligence? With the non-human emotions and not being able to process things like humans, yes. What can an average person do to help avoid the dangers of artificial intelligence? The problem is that humans want to push things too far. So humans do not understand unique characteristics that obviously the human race possesses. So some people want to push artificial intelligence to the point that it will replace humans. The other fears with soldiers who are made into this artificial intelligence, since they may not be able to identify different groups of people or different objects. So this troubleshooting and problem-solving capacity that humans have is not completely possible within artificial intelligence. But people, of course, will want to push it too far. The, cat, the character of Captain Kirk in Star Trek, was, there, was, was he there to show that human abilities could overcome superior intelligences? Yes and no. In a way, it showed that, one, there are differences in, you could say, the emotional spectrum of some different beings and people, even on Earth with the human species. The range of emotions moves from a spectrum where people can feel like empaths to people that have other blocks where they do not feel as much. But getting back to the original question, yes, he was basically put there to show how the humans possess unique traits and that we should value those traits. Since Spock never really understood humans, I did not understand these traits that they possessed, which he did not. Okay, that's the end of the questions. So I have to ask the question, what's the explanation that prophecies are intended to warn mankind of what might happen if mankind does not become more spiritual and more positive, too good to be true? That depends on what you are prepared to believe. 
Yes, we can discuss quite a lot about these prophecies. But uh, before we do that, uh, do you want to mention our, the Facebook page? Yes. So, of course, thank you to all the listeners. And we just want to announce again that we have a Facebook page. So if you go onto Facebook and you type in our show name, Too Good To Be True, you can pull up our page and go on there and you can like and follow us. And we will be posting links to all our shows on there. So if you missed a show, if you want to listen to it again, you can go on there, get directed to YouTube, go and listen to it. So we would love to have interaction between the listeners and us. So please go like the Facebook page, follow us, comment, and interact with us. Yeah, um, looks like um, having a more positive positive attitude um, may result in the chosen branch out of the nexus points becoming better. <laughs> Apparently, through our thoughts and actions, we can change the future for the better. Yeah, I wonder if there is a downside to being positive, probably only to annoy negative people. So in practice, there doesn't seem to be a downside. So... Uh, What's our positive, final positive note for the broadcast, Justina? I think our positive note is just for everyone just to try to be as happy as possible and to just think about the positive possibilities and not all the not very good possibilities there are since some of the different prophecies we discussed don't have the best outcome. No, they're too scary to be true. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, we want to thank you to all the listeners and go interact with us on Facebook. We'd love to have you come like, follow our page. And of course, thank you to everyone listening. 